the difference when you add plugins on your mix was much more noticeable. Plugins do something when you're mixing in the box, rid of that space and just everything sounds a little bit more brittle and not as open. Welcome back to another episode of the Session Recall podcast. Hello, John. Hello, um, everyone. Yep, nice the, t-shirt, Nick. Very good. Yes, uh, this is Flip Flop Records one sent to me by Scott Milligan. I might mention that last week in last yeah. week's podcast. In the perfect angle uh, as well, yeah. I try to set it up exactly the same. I mean, I've probably got slightly more beard now than I did last week, but... Um, yeah, I tried to make yeah. it look exactly the same as last week, John. Yeah, I know. It's really important, especially on Spotify, where you can't actually see what you look like. But if you did want to watch the podcast on YouTube, you can find us at Session yeah. Recall. Uh, I've, I have washed it. The T-shirt's been washed. You know, I haven't worn it all week. Just, uh, yeah, so what are we talking about then, Jonathan? Today, what we want to talk about is following on, I suppose, a little bit from last week when we were talking about producing and producers. Mm-hmm. One of the things we're thinking about is really, like, about mixing, and I suppose like the approach that you kind of take for mixing or approach that we have for mixing when it comes to mixing tracks for ourselves, mixing with productions or when people send us stuff and what thing, what we can kind of look at doing to make the most out of that. That's with everything, different approaches, different artists. So if, if it's something I've recorded, then generally as I'm recording, I'm kind of building the mix, building the album, getting it to kind of how I've got it in my head and how the band wants it as we go. As, as kind of much as you can. So I'm tweaking it, I'm building effects in and maybe setting up how I would want it for mixing as we're recording. Because then maybe you've got to mix two songs a day because of budgets or whatever. So you, you can't do all that stuff if you're mixing two songs a day because you're eating up into so much um, of your mix time. But the beauty is if, if you've recorded it and it gets sent to me to mix or if I've recorded it and I'm mixing it, is I know it's going to be well recorded, well labelled, everything's going to be laid out. And it's virtually going to be ready to start mixing on, and it will already have some elements of the mix on it, which you'd have put on or I'd have put on. So then you're just basically building it. How do you make it pop out where it needs to pop out? What's kind of wrong with it? What's is it muddy here or there? Is it does it need elements brought out? And you're not spending loads of time comping vocals or fixing people's edits because the amount of stuff I get sent where they haven't done any crossfades on anything just really pisses me off because you spend a couple of hours fixing people's yeah. bad edits tuning vocals com- you know comping stuff and then you haven't got any time to mix it but so if we've done it then you know it's kind of ready and then i won't strip that back you know if i think the song's sounding good and that's what the, those effects are on there for a reason because they're integral to the song that's why i try and record a lot of that stuff if, if a guitar is gonna have a big echo on it or whatever or a slap delay then you know, we've got we've got analog effects that we can record and record that so that we don't have to recreate it afterwards. It's integral to the track, then it should be on there. So I wouldn't strip that back and look at maybe sometimes if it's a plug-in, the delay's not working or something. So I might switch it out for something else. But I would tend to, that would be my starting point of the mix. And then I would move stuff around from that. If I think the drum sound's not working, I might go into that if I'm going to add some samples or do whatever. When I get something... I haven't recorded, so I maybe aren't as familiar with, obviously wouldn't be as familiar with the ins and outs of the track and all the elements to it. Then first thing I'd do is try and get the mix up, everything up as quickly as possible. So a quick tweak, a quick balance, a quick look at stuff, get it all up so I can hear all the elements and start to hear what's making it work, what's driving the track, is the bass driving it, is the drums driving it, is the guitars, what kind of frequencies are going on between all the instruments, so what am I going to need to do technically to this, and get it up really quick. I've seen other engineers, mix engineers, 
producers who will solder the kick drum work on a kick drum, solder the snare work on the snare, solder the tom, solder the overhead, and get all these great sounds individually, then move on to the bass, then move on to the guitars, but you're not hearing how they're working together then. Yeah, um, as a whole. And then, you know, and they start building it up with plugins and there's plugins and there's plugins and there's plugins. And then you go, you've lost so much like headroom and so much of um, what the actual song is about that sometimes you then strip all that off and you go, oh, actually, it sounds really good about any of this. You think you're improving it by adding this loads of like chains and stuff. And all of a sudden you haven't improved anything and it's a mess. Yeah. Um, so I don't like to solo stuff individually, work on individual instruments. I like to get everything up. So the song, so I'm hearing the song and hearing all the elements really early on. And actually when I mix an album, I won't finish a song. So I'll do that to each song. So maybe I'll do three or four in a day where I get it all up and I'll start to build the drum sound, start to uh, hear what I like about that and add things onto that. Some EQ on things and hearing what's going on, some vocal effects, get the track, then move on. So I might do three or four in a day, then the next three or four, then after three days I've kind of got the whole album mixed to a point where it would probably be like that if I had recorded it or you know we're, we're the stage I'd be at at the end of production and then I'll go back to song one because you've learned so much about the album and so much about all the elements and the guitar sounds and the drum sounds and you might find things along the way that work and then you go back and apply that to the first one but you've started to build up a really big picture of the album and a really good feel for what's actually going on there then I'll go back and I'll finish them off. So I'll go back and I know, right, I can do two or three of these in a day now because they only need a couple of hours each, two or three hours each. And then I might go in, you know, tweak the drum sound and like the drum sound needs to be heavier or the drum sound needs to be more aggressive or whatever. And then mess with some effects and make sure the song's working as it should do. And then you know the album, you know what's to come, you know all the other songs then because you've got them all up to a point. And then I'll go through and that's just, that's just my my way of working, you know. When I mix it, I just find it difficult to just approach on an album, just one song at a time if you don't know the album, if you haven't recorded it. That's um, a good way of doing it. Would you, would, when you're only mixing the albums that you've recorded yourself, would you do the same kind of thing? Would you would you still, like, batch and go through each one and then come back? Um, or is it more because you've kind of had, like, a much longer time? Yeah, working, I, I, on working on it, then I, I I don't necessarily need to do that, you know. And and a lot of the lot of the stuff, the technical things, I would have addressed during the production thing. So mm. we're kind of almost there with the drum sound, and then might be some things where I might not, you know, switch out some plugins and use like a, an outboard compressor or chain or something, um, or run it through something and record it back in, or some outboard effects or whatever. But you know, essentially, then it always ends up in the box. But I might have recorded analog stuff and outboard back in but i'm mixing in the box even though we've got desks and things because you need to do so many mix changes and tweak things and do things later on and down the line and the instrumentals and all these different things just mixing the box makes that so much easier for people to come back to you just because of the time and time is money all the mix changes you end up doing if you had to recall every mix and put it through an analog desk and set up all the outboard it would just be a headache now on the time that we've got i mean we used to have to do that that's what we used to yeah. do i i kind of enjoy mixing stuff i've recorded because i know what i'm getting and i know what i need what i need to do and what needs to be done and i'd have done all the editing and comping you know what i'm like i say to all the assistants that come in i don't want to be left with a load of edits at the at the end yeah. of it. so i'm always when i'm recorded i'm always editing and that little point where we've got a take instead of just chatting i'm busy just editing getting those crossfades done getting those edits done and moving on 
I never like to leave myself a ton of editing to do at the end of a session. The thing is that the crossfades are the ones that always end up like taking loads of time. Yeah. I remember coming on a session and just like walking into a mix and it's like, I I spent an hour on each song just doing, just going literally like I had to take tabs transient off and just do tab across each thing to crossfade. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Uh, And we get stuff set in all the time. Like the big end, like mix engineers have a, they'll have a list of, of how the mix needs to be presented to them and you have to stick to that. And if you don't, they won't touch the mix until it's like it. You know, someone... Is it Mike Fraser? Yeah, Mike Fraser. So he's... So he, you know, he likes to have his, like, it just come off a 24-track tape machine or 48. He mixes 48 outputs onto his SSL like it's two tape machines. So you have no, you have no regions, no edits. You consolidate everything. You take all your plugins off, but if the plugin's integral, you need to put it you need to record it back in. You can it can only come out of 48. There can only be 48 tracks, only 48 outputs. If you've got loads of backing vocals, do a bounce because it has to come out of only so many. Everything has to be split on its own track, so you've got to get it down. Do the bounce, but you can leave them in there because if he feels like he needs to go in and rebalance stuff, he can. But do the bounce. Bounce all your acoustics. Bounce all the... Because you might have hundreds of tracks. You've got to get down to 48. And no edits to do. So he's just mixing, you know, he's not, he's not editing and fixing your things. And we get, you know, we get a lot of the time you ask, get asked to mix something and you've got two songs a day, which is essentially five hours of mix, you know, they, then you get it and they go, oh, by the way, there's still some, we haven't comped the vocals. Maybe that's something you can do or the vocals need tuning. Can we have a quarter, a quarter delay on this guitar here? We really feel it needs to do this and it needs to do that. There's some other takes if you prefer the solo and all that. And it's like, that's just eating up three yeah. hours of your mix time it goes back to like last episode where we were talking about making decisions yeah and now it's three hours of your mix time gone so now you've got two hours to mix a song and we're not jesus you know we can't do miracles so it's it's like it's a two-hour mix regardless of how good equipment we've got and how good we are at doing it it's a two-hour mix and then they'll say oh well on my demo mix you know my my snare drum my drum sound i preferred that i had that on the on the demo mix and i was like how long do you spend on that about a month and I'm like, right, so you had a month to get that right, and we got two hours yeah. because we've been busy doing production stuff, which and then you got into the realms of right, so am I gonna charge for this the editing and the comping and the fixing and then charge for the mix? Because you're doing production work, you're not mixing, you're doing produ- you're doing production and engineering. So it's always a battle. So you'd like to get them to send you something that's ready to mix otherwise you have to factor in the extra time for the comping for the vocal tuning and you can't possibly then do two mixes in a day and that so that needs to be factored in so you need to stop at the beginning stop before you even go ahead and say right all this needs sorting it's going to take me two days so i need to add two days onto the mix time that's how long it's going to take me to do all this editing and production and then you mentioned about obviously like um mixing in the box do you do you notice a difference like do you miss mixing with hardware or like do you, do you, yeah, but plugins are really, plugins are really good. Oh, yes, we do use some hardware. Obviously, when we were tracking, we use hardware. But the thing is, when you're in somewhere like Rockfield and you're going through those old mic pre's with great mics, and you're getting all that kind of graininess and loveliness from driving the pre's and all that, and it's gone through outboard 1176s and smart compressors and all that, then you don't need really need that again in the mix process because it's gone through all that analog loveliness. It's got all that stuff there, so. You know, that's using plugins. You don't need to redo it. You don't need to add another 1176 compressor on your bass if you've recorded your bass through an actual 1176 driven through some nice BBC mic pre's or something. So there's this tendency from people to put stuff on straight away because it's what they do. That's a, that's a vocal, therefore it needs this. Whereas 
used to work with some producers and um, a guy called Bob Rose used to tell me, he asked me to set up a vo- the vocals for him and I would put the mic up and then I was busy plugging in a chain for him, like a, the an EVQ and the 1176. And he was like, we don't need that yet. He says, I never ever put it on until I've listened to what they're, what they're doing. What Does the singer even need it? Are their dynamics already exactly what we need? Is this needed at all? You know, do you need it? Is it going to color it? And then add it in if you need it. Don't start at that point where you've got it going through all that because you don't know if you're going to need, you don't necessarily need that. But in the box, I mean, we've got, we're, we're lucky we can, we can come out for our Neve summer mixer or our um, Thermionic Culture summer mixer. So you're kind of in the box, but then you're bringing it out of a nice analog summer mixer. So you're getting a bit more of that space and that kind of sound that you get from the Neve or the Thermionic. Um, so I like that on the on the back end of the mix, really. I think it it adds something, especially you've got like the air function and a bit of width or whatever if you need it. You can end up chucking too much too much onto each channel, and there's not actually anything wrong with it in the first place. And the same when you're recording it, you don't necessarily need to have all that going on. Um, yeah, I think I think sometimes like I remember when, like for mixing stuff, like I had a habit of like just putting the stuff on for the sake of it. So when I was recording before I started working with you, it was just I was just all I had was some mic pre's. Didn't have any outbody cure compressor. I thought I really needed it. So when mm. it came to mixing, everything had like the Universal Audio Tape Machine A800, and yeah. then it had the Waves Nonlinear Summer NLS, whatever it is, or the um, Virtual Summing Mix, whatever they call it, the Virtual Console Collection. Yeah. So going through that, then going through like a Pulse EQ in 1176, because I thought that's what I needed to do in it. So it's like hundreds and hundreds of EQs and stuff across yeah. the entire track. And then like you take it all off and go, it <laughs> sounds a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah you sometimes you just I can't quite get this to sound right and sometimes you just go back to like take everything off just bypass everything for a bit and listen to what was actually going on you're going well that's not the best drum sound in the world but with everything else on top of it which has been produced around that drum sound it actually sounds better fits, even yeah. though if you solo the drums you think oh that could do with that but it just fits sometimes and you've spent all that time trying to get this drum sound that you think is a great drum sound and then it's not really it's not really happens you know and then for mixing do you like is it always is it like a formula do you like take it every song at a time do you ever do anything like left field yeah i mean sometimes the approach will be like make everything you know if it's got a a certain sound the band are after something you know everything's going through a tape machine or everything's driven through something because that's the sound they they want you know or everything's going the the vocals through amps i think it's just mixing to the artist really obviously you're making sure technically it's all all right it's not all muddy and it's not too harsh it's not too bright but i think in terms of effects on mixes you're actually trying to capture what that band is about and what they've tried to capture in their performances and bringing out all those elements so there might be lots of elements going on so making sure you can hear the elements when you need to be hearing the elements or if it's just a big wall of sound making sure it's a big wall of sound and then but so there's that creative aspect of the mixing and there's the technical both trying to trying to get them both to go hand in hand you know and i'm switching between speakers um and i'm also listening to everything on headphones and i might listen to everything on a little bluetooth speaker i might go out in the car and listen to things all those usual tricks really see you're using your eggs mainly for mixing aren't you there i've got yeah the, i've um, got aventones i've got my little um aventone mix cubes but they're just in storage at the moment while i'm waiting for a house yeah and they're good you know whatever you're comfortable on as well i mean yeah. i'm, I'm on the adams uh a77x's 
I have a sub with that. And then I really like my monitor audio studio speakers. The only, it's the only studio set they made really because they're a hi-fi company. But they're really good. like them for mixing, not necessarily for tracking. KRKs, not really. I usually just keep them for tracking. Uh, I've been mixing on the Adams, mm. but then checking it on other systems. Then I've spoken to engineers and producers about the in-the-boxing and going through a desk. And I was yeah. at a studio over in Alicante, uh, Studio Sacramento, great studio with a great producer there. And he was doing A-B tests of his mixes just in the box and then coming out of his duality and splitting everything through the channels. And he he said the difference was... You know, minimal, but it was there and it was noticeable if you came through the desk. I mean, he can recall the desk, so it's not um, as much work as just a pure analog desk because you can actually save yeah, it. Yeah, there's a phase of, yeah, with the dualities and the SSL stuff, because i got the Sigma, it's like you can you know, record the phase yeah. of movements and stuff. But, That's great. You but, know, but he definitely swears that he can hear a difference and he was trying different um, converters as well. So he's got issues. He tried a few different ones, as like, say, Martin at Red Kite um, would do. And you know, and they hear the difference, and um, and and he's he would definitely mix out of the onto the desk, but he said the difference when you add plugins on your mix was much more noticeable, and the plugins do something when you're mixing in the box that get rid of that space and just everything sounds a little bit more brittle and not as open, and then when then when you run it through the desk, so it was when the plugins were on the 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 difference was much bigger um, and other people have AB'd and other people have AB'd and can't hear any difference and love, love just mixing in the box and say there's mm. no difference. Um, there are a lot of big mix engineers just mixing the box. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, the first one was like Andrew Shep's. Oh, Andrew and Shep's, yeah. He yeah. did, I think yeah. it was Hosier's, one of Hosier's records, he just did it as a trial, sent it off and they went, yeah, sounds great. A couple of changes and it's done. Yeah, I think you just compensate for those things yeah. anyway. When you're mixing, you compensate to get the space and to get the things. Mm. But I think, yeah, once you, there's the you know, tons and tons of plugins. And you're just... Is it the experience thing? Yeah, it is. Experience. experience. Yeah, it's just like it takes time to kind of understand what you're missing. And Yeah, um, like someone like Mike Fraser won't do, won't start adding loads of effects to your mix. You know, it doesn't need it. You've done that. That's the production. You've given him everything you need, your effects. But he's an absolute master craftsman at balancing, taking it, making sure that kick just sits, making that snare sits, the vocal sits in the, um, the right place, the guitar change he uses. Everything just has its place and just sounds massive and is just perfectly placed. <laughs> you know, but, he, but he's not someone, it's like some bands, they give you a track and he's got no production on it. It's just recorded them in a room and they go, we want this to sound like such and such. And you're like, well, it doesn't because there's no production or anything on it. Then that's a different way of mixing. Then that's like yeah. almost like a remixer, or maybe a bedroom producer, a bedroom mixer who's creating music. So someone's given you a basic song, but they want it to sound like so and so's album. Yeah. yeah, and then that's a different thing because then you are kind of mixing it to that, but you're also producing those sounds. And you've got to use lots of effects and lots of things to get it to sound like that, and that's fine as long as you've got the time to do that and you know that's what everyone wants and and they've recorded something that you can do that with then there's no problem with that either but a lot of the big mix engineers they're just there to make sure what you've what you've recorded and captured and your production is presented in the best way it possibly can for all the platforms and media it's going to be uh, put out on mostly. when people are sending you stuff yeah what do you recommend like what would you recommend to them for to how do you like things to be sent to you do you like Pro Tools sessions? If it's like a Logic session, where you prefer to do it yourself? Well, yeah. If they're um, if it's on Pro Tools, they can send me the Pro Tools sessions because I'll be mixing within Pro Tools. I might strip everything 
off if there's loads of stuff that doesn't need to be on there. But um, no, I'd like to see what's going on in their Pro Tools session. If they've been working on Logic, then I'll get them to send me WAVs, but I'll get them to send me the dry WAVs and the affected ones, the affected ones separate. And I'll have them, I'll have them underneath each other on playlists, and I'll see. Oh, they're trying to go for that. I can hear what they're doing with their effects, but. I could get a much better effect by running it through an actual tape echo rather than that plugin they used on Logic or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'll have them both. And sometimes their one just fits with the effects on, just fits perfectly in the mix. So I'll just use it. But I'll have them uh, um, underneath each other and uh, just so I can hear what they've done. Uh, yeah. So I'll ask for them both. And then do you get monitor mixes off them or like a rough mix? Yeah, it's good and to you... have a monitor mix because before you even agree to mix something, it's nice to hear what they've got and what they've done and what you're going to be dealing with before you could, how long is it going to take to mix? If you've never listened to it, you have no idea. Yeah. You know, there could be 200 tracks of orchestral parts going on and backing vocals and layered guitars and all this. And you're like, well, I can't do that in half a day. This is a massive song that needs to be a massive radio hit and it's got all these elements that are just going to take a day to mix. Getting a monitor mix from the end of the session Sometimes those desk mixes at the end of sessions are the mixes. You know, they're great. You haven't overthought it. You've driven it through a nice analog analog desk, and it just has something. And then you spend your time chasing your tail, trying yeah. to recapture the, the yeah, mix that, that you magic of that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, so like WAV files, affected WAV files, um, raw WAV, WAV files, all the Pro Tools sessions, and edited, tuned, and comped unless you're going to ask me to do that and that's separate that's separate from mixing that's you know, that's that's got to be discussed beforehand what about yourself if it's process or logic i'll get them to send me those sessions and i'll just do mm-hmm. it myself because it's easier because most of the time if you if the people i've been working with like then they're right start recording like garbage band as well to send me the sessions and i'll convert it into what i need it for because it's mm. a bit easier doing that pro tools as well yeah it's fine but otherwise it would be i normally set up a dropbox transfer link yeah. And so you just upload your files to me this way, so then you don't have to worry about retransfers and limits and everything. Cause... Yeah, which is a pain when you start getting everything in separate folders. Yeah, and like the Google Drive's just, you know, like, I'm sure you've had experience with Google Drive. <laughs> Headache. Yeah, 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 yeah. get set up a Dropbox folder. Yeah, and normally, yeah, I normally share that, and then you just say, like, it's an upload one, so you just send it to me, and it automatically comes onto my computer. Yeah, no, it's it's just that I normally try and, for, for Logic and Pro Tools, they just send me the session, I'll convert it, and I'll do it. Yeah, I remember, like, one of the sessions, I just got caught out with the editing. And I was like, I think that was an attended session as well. And it was just like, oh, okay, we've lost. You know, it was quite yeah. a long one. We ended up having like a decent enough budget for it, but it could have been saved a lot of time. It was one of the things I should have stipulated. Yeah, well, you shouldn't learn your lesson and make sure you stipulate that yeah, beforehand. Yeah. Same with mix changes. Please make, yeah, please make sure that these, like the files have been edited, crossfaded, and that everything's yeah. there. Everything that you want on the mix is there. Yeah, because you can still go down a rabbit hole with mix changes as well. And that if you haven't put a limit on it, yeah, you know, if you just said, "Oh yeah, I'll mix it until you're happy with it," then that can go on. I, and then they're ch- you're chasing your tail, and then and bands are changing their minds and going back to what they had before. Actually, could you put that back? It was better before, and it's just mm. a headache. Everyone gets frustrated. Yeah. You end up doing loads of work for I free. Normally, yeah, I normally do two mix changes. Well, it normally captures it. I'm if someone asks me to make uh, to mix two songs a day, then they get two sets of mix changes. Because I always think you can't just do one because you change something, it's going to affect something else in the mix. So there might be something else then that needs to be addressed. So if I'm expected to mix two songs in a day, it's two sets of mix changes. I'm not going to do two, like spend half a day mixing a song and then a day on mix changes, which bands will try and get away with. But then what you really wanted was to book a day. (laughs) You know, spending a day on a mix is a much better mix than spending 
half a day and then a day on mix changes because yeah. when you're doing mix changes you're just pulling apart the mix and it's falling apart most of the time if you're overdoing them you know you can be on your 10th lot of mix changes and they're asking you to try production stuff out on guitars now all of a sudden or can you add a tambourine or can you do this and it's like well no that should be done in recording and then if i'm if someone pays me a, a day for a mix then that will be depending on the rate that'll be between three and five sets of mix changes because i always think you can get it a lot close if you've got a day to do it you should be able to get it pretty close um but offering like the five mix changes means that they know they can leave with something they're happy with there's plenty of lots of mix changes that for their money for paying you for a song per day in their minds they can be a lot happier with it because they know they can make those tweaks from spending that money but generally you don't need to do five lots of mix changes because you've had a whole day to mix it yeah um so yeah it's two if it's half a day and kind of up to five if it's um a full day for mixing and i like to do a song a day because it's nice to step away from it it's nice to come back to it it's nice to have the time to try things it's um but some stuff is so you know like like if if i recorded it it's it's just not going to need it i can do it in half a day because it's almost there i know what's Mm. wrong i can do it pretty quick and i can get two done in a day do you use templates so have you got like a template you use for mixing or do you just like kind of build it as you go yeah i build it as i go i know a lot of people work from templates and they like templates a lot of people have mixing chains they have guitar chains vocal chains all that stuff i have regular things that i go to like oh, i think this needs to so i use that compressor i'll use that reverb or whatever for certain things so i have those things but i don't necessarily have templates set up i might have like i might pull in my auxes and my master fader and things like that which are already Mm. set up and saved as templates but once i've got a mix and i've done a lot of things i'll import those then into the next song so the bass chain and the 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 chains on the guitars the chains on the drums the auxes for those as well and the effects i might pull them in just import them into the next one as we go along yeah i think i'm a little bit different i've got that's where I got I got things saved in Pro Tools as like track templates. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I always end up bringing in is I've just got BCAs for like um, the groups. And like my drums are always grouped as Group D. Yeah. And then I think my bass is always B. And yeah. like certain things, so it's just easy for me to kind of like turn things on and off. And yeah, I mean, I'll always have stuff coming out in the same order and the same yeah. kind of outputs and the same kind of things. You know, that's so always have it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's two different ways of working. You, I grew up in a way that wasn't possible to have those templates. But once you'd mix the first song, you had your chain. So you had your vocal going through that chain. So it would stay set up for the next song. I always try to use Pro Tools as a a tape machine and a mixer as much as I can without board. Yeah, there's no reason why you can't use this quicker if you've got your templates for certain things. There's no reason why not. A lot of people use them. But yeah, I have certain elements of it saved, but not whole mix templates, not to the extent that you would. No. Um, The other one then is about referencing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have like do you get the bands and you playlist of tracks that they like or yeah. like similar things does that yeah help? drum sounds they like records they like what you kind of hear in this what's it's what kind of where do you where do you see this sitting and things like that. it's nice to get some references definitely yeah it's yeah it made a massive interest to one of the bands i did recently is just like they just sent me a massive long list of like tracks and so because it, it was coming in recording as well just like just made a massive like okay i know what drum sound we want yeah based on the sort of like approach and, okay we want to be a bit edgier we want to be edgy but dry and like distort but not too many effects and everything so it yeah. made it a bit easier yeah like it does that. when you know yeah it does it's like but you might have that discussion you might say oh i kind of hear that you might hear the monitor mix and go oh, i kind of hear this sounding like a such and such a record or do you know this record what yeah. they did there with the vocals or whatever and then that might be what you go with you know but yeah, yeah. definitely getting references from them especially if you don't know the band and you didn't record it yeah that's yeah. true it makes it a bit easy when you have done it yourself 
Yeah, he does, yeah. Yeah, anything else to add? No, I think, uh, yeah. I think it kind of covers everything. If you guys have any questions for us about any of the things that we've discussed, leave us um, a comment in the, in the video. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts from, uh, just drop us a message at podcast at sessionrecall.com. And if the production, the mixing stuff is something that you're interested in, we are currently running, we're due to be running a workshop in, is it March or April? It's April, April isn't it? Yeah, April the 11th, three days. <laughs> This is a clip of TikTok again. There don't we turn, are. Don't turn up in March, John. <laughs> Simon won't be there. No. Um, yeah, we've got um, a workshop in April, and you can find out more details at sessionrecall.com forward slash lead as well. Thanks again, Nick. And I'll see you Welcome. next. Yeah, see you next week. See you next week. Another episode about Do I have to wear this t shirt again? Yeah, and you have to also have the same angle like me. Okay. Um, hopefully, right. it'll be a bit sunnier by the time I come in next week. Yeah. All right. Bye bye.